We are glad to announce we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy for the upcoming NFL season. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. In case you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is, Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports app for player props. Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in respective sport. For this NFL season, Thrive allows you to choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The most points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has $50,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1. Use promo code PODCAST when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today, we are bringing you another episode of our week, two-week NFL recap. And this week, we will be talking about NFL Week 7 and Week 8 recap. And, Andrew, let's get in right into what arguably could have been the best game of the year that we saw which was the Cardinals-Seahawks Sunday Night Football Week 7. And you saw some very, very high-scoring, very huge stats put up by Tyler Lockett, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and others. And I very much enjoyed watching this game. And I think this arguably was the game of the year, Andrew. Yeah, Henry, in the back and forth of this game, especially the comeback from the Cardinals to – from behind I had multiple scores to get back in the game and eventually win in overtime. It was an incredible game and the Seahawks got the ball first in overtime and they punted. They ended up punting. Cardinals got it. They didn't get it. And then because they missed a field goal in overtime, Seahawks get it back, turn it over. Cardinals get it back, obviously, with the turnover, kick the game-winning field goal. Zane Gonzalez, the kicker, gets his second try and makes it and wins the game for them. Incredible game, and you have to give credit to the quarterbacks of this game with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. They really made the game what it was, and Henry, I think we can both agree that those two quarterbacks are two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, or at least how they're playing as of right now. They are playing like two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Brought us a great game. The defenses, even though it was a high-scoring game, there was great defensive plays. And one thing we learned in this game, Henry, DK Metcalf is fast. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think you will see any receivers run like he did, chasing down Buda Baker after what it looked like going to be a 98-yard about uh, interception return for a touchdown. DK Metcalf chases him about 85 yards down the field and catches up with him and tackles him right before he scores. And that that's just incredible. I don't think I've ever seen a wide receiver do anything like that. Maybe Julio Jones once, but that is something special to have a wide receiver that can play defense better than most of your defensive players. So This was a great game, high scoring, of course, but the defense was definitely there and the quarterbacks had a great game, Henry. 
you know, Andrew, I saw Tyree Kill got asked about that DK Metcalf play, and he was asked, would he be able to make that tackle? And kind of fired some shots at Russell Wilson and said, no, because Patrick Mahomes, he was talking about, wouldn't throw an interception, so he wouldn't have to make that play. And I thought that was kind of some shots fired at uh, Russell Wilson, po- possibly the MVP of the NFL this year, and for how well he's been playing. I, I think there, there's a, it's a bit interesting to see – Tyree Kill fire a lot of shots at uh, Russell Wilson. But, I mean, I think that would be a great matchup to definitely see between those two teams in the uh, Super Bowl. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, and I think it's a good time to move on to our to our next topic, which is the choke bowl. It hasn't happened yet. The game hasn't happened yet. That is, This will be week 14. I have looked. Week 14, you will see the Chargers play the Falcons and Andrew. I really don't know what to say about these two teams. They just can't hold on to a lead. I mean, you saw the Falcons blow a lead to the Lions. The Lions. I mean, I don't have to say anything besides just the Lions. And the Chargers, they blew a lead to the Broncos. I forget if they blew a lead in week seven, but I know they blew a lead to the uh, the Broncos in week eight, and that was just devastating. I mean, it was like, I think it was 24-3 at one point in the game. It, I mean, both these teams, I mean, Andrew, do you think they'll be able to hold the lead at any point this season? Henry, I, I have no clue. I mean, we saw some bright side, I guess, of the Falcons being able to win against the Carolina Panthers, who are a half-decent team, not bad. But blowing a lead against the Lions is basically just says it all. I mean, how ironic is that? The Lions actually winning and not blowing their own game, but yet the other team that they're playing blows the game. It just, see, this is like 2020. It just doesn't make sense, some of these things. And the Falcons, I think they are a better team than the Chargers because they have more star pieces, of course, and explosive pieces with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, of course. And you have Matt Ryan, who's an established quarterback in the NFL. So I think out of the two teams that choke the most often in the NFL and frequently, I should say. The Falcons, I think, are in a much better spot than the Chargers, but the Chargers probably have a much brighter future with their team being much younger. And, of course, star rookie quarterback Justin Herbert. Yeah, and Andrew, I mean, it was it's just going to be very interesting to see. Week 14, I mean, who, who the hell is going to win that game? I, it's... Probably it's going to be a tie. I, if I had to predict a tie in the NFL this year, that would be the one because, and if you're uh, taking the bet on that game, take the over because a lot there'll be a lot of scoring within the last 30 seconds of the game. It'll just be back and forth until one team decides to not score and then it'll end in a tie. But moving on now to one of probably the most prized possessions player in all of the NFL right now, and that is Tua Tagovailoa making his first career start in the NFL, the fifth overall pick selected by the Miami Dolphins. And there was a lot of rumors going around that they actually started him because they didn't have faith in him because they wanted to see if he was good enough because they have two picks that could possibly be in the top 10 this year. But although he wasn't impressive, in my opinion, I think Andrew would stand to agree with that. I mean, they won the game. I mean, they beat a team who probably will make the playoffs in the Rams Although Tua may have not been impressive, I think we he definitely deserves with all that trauma he's probably experiencing from his first hit in the NFL being Aaron Donald just throwing him to the ground. 
I think he deserves a couple weeks to uh, just get used to the NFL before we start making huge judgments on him. But obviously, if we're looking at that first start, it was not very impressive. Yeah, Henry, and he failed to reach the 100-yard passing mark in the game. And I know he didn't have that many attempts, but Henry, I think we both can agree that we expected more out of Tua in his first NFL start. I'll cut him some slack because it was his first NFL start, but me and you were talking before this podcast and saying how Justin Herbert and even Joe Burrow had much more impressive debuts and I get their rosters are different and the teams that they played are a little different, but Henry, Tua just did not look that great and did not look like his Alabama college self that he showed us with Nick Saban and that Alabama team. He didn't look like it. And once again, I'll cut him some slack, but I really would like to see how he improves in the next couple of weeks. And then I'll start making my real judgments on how I think he will be as an NFL quarterback, but I'm not ready to make those judgments yet since he only played one full game as a starter. But going back to that decision that uh, the Miami Dolphins made to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was on a roll and playing very well for this Miami Dolphins team with Tua Tagovailoa, of course, the young rookie stud or supposed to be stud. I mean, we haven't really seen that uh, star power of his yet, but hopefully we will in the future. And I don't know if I really agree with that because this Dolphins team, especially with the Patriots quote unquote dynasty being somewhat over now, we, we will talk to that and talk about that later in this episode, but the Dolphins have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs especially with the division that they're in now with the Patriots not being as good and not running the division anymore. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick puts you in the best place to do that this season. And he was on a roll. And why don't you just ride it until you can't ride it anymore? You know what I'm saying? And Ryan Fitzpatrick was the guy you should ride with. The guy you should ride with because he's the guy who's leading your team to victories week after week. The chemistry was on point. And then they assign a new quarterback because, quote unquote, well, this was a report. They are trying to figure out what they have in Tua and wondering if they should think about taking a quarterback early in next year's draft. Henry, I don't know if I agree with the decision in replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick since this team has a legit shot at making the playoffs that defense is playing well and Fitzpatrick was on a roll with this offense but I think if that's the true plan that they are considering taking another quarterback then I guess you can see what you have in Tua but if you're trying to make the playoffs and you're trying to win football games I think Ryan Fitzpatrick gives your team the best chance of doing that now I think there's no going back since you already uh, put Tua out there. There's no going back from there. You have to ride with Tua now, and hopefully that works out for the Dolphins, and we will see how he performs in the next couple of weeks. You know, Andrew, I kind of disagree with what you said, and I agree with what the Dolphins did because, I mean, when you look at this quarterback class, there's arguably five or six quarterbacks that you could consider taking in the first round, and if they don't believe that Tua is the guy, they need to find that out because this quarterback class could be possibly one of the quarter best quarterback classes we've seen 
I mean, ever, because Trevor Lawrence is, could be the best quarterback prospect we've seen since John Elway, for all we know. I mean, he's being great as the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, but we know how good he was coming out of college and what he could have been if he had an offensive line like the Colts do now. But if they're if they don't believe in Tua, I mean, I think there's no reason why they shouldn't go out and get a guy like Justin Fields or even Trevor Lawrence if that Texans pick ends up in the range where they can can go draft him. But obviously, if they also believe in guys like Trey Lance or Zach Wilson as being that guy, I mean, there's no reason to pass up on it if they don't think Tua is the future of this Dolphins team. But Andrew, you know, moving on now to we have Thursday night football today. When you're listening to this, if you are listening to this on Thursday, we have the green Bay Packers against the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers. I mean, at this point, it's probably more like the uh, local North Farmington JV football team versus the green Bay Packers. But I mean, it's a, it's a football game. And with all the things we've been dealing with over the past couple of days, I think a lot of people can say they are very excited to go watch some NFL football. But, you know, let's get into the actual logistics of this game. I mean, we saw two or three, we, we saw two uh, COVID positive tests, one from A.J. Dillon, the running back for the Green Bay Packers, and uh, one from Kendrick Bourne from the local North Farmington JV football team. And um, with that, that also held out Jamal Williams and a linebacker for the Packers. I'm not exactly sure who it was. I just remember it was a linebacker. And for the 49ers, it was Debo Samuel, who was already expected to be out, left tackle Trent Williams, as well as wide receiver Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk, my, excuse me. But that leaves us to the biggest problem that we are going to see with the 49ers, and that is they have no receivers. Everyone is hurt. They don't, they have one pass catcher, on roster, they have the third string tight end, and they also have Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback. There's no one else to play. I mean, a- Andrew, how how the 49ers have a chance to win this game tonight? Well, Henry, of course you have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I mean, the the young studs, right? Oh, oh, they got they got COVID. Oh man, I forgot about that. But don't don't worry. They, they still have their second round pick from a couple years back. A lot of promise, Dante Pettis, right? Oh, oh man, they caught him. They're, they're only healthy receiver. They, they caught him, man. But, but keep in mind, you have your star tight end, George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league, right? Oh, oh man, Henry, he is out. He's on injured reserve. Oh no, but, 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 but. Keep in mind, you, you do have Jordan Reed, right? You do have Jordan Reed. He, he shows some promise, a little injury prone, but he's healthy now. Hopefully, hopefully we see him healthy in the future. But Henry, star running back, star running back. He's been playing well all season. Raheem Mostert. Oh, oh you're, tell, you're telling me he's out to, uh, at, least, at least they have their quarterback, right? They, they have their quarterback. I, oh man Jimmy Garoppolo is on the injured reserve too you got you got to be kidding me Jimmy G now Jimmy G and now he's starting left tackle uh Trent Williams who was Pro Bowl bound this season on the COVID list uh not to mention that defense is banged up as well maybe maybe I was thinking you put Nick Bosa to catch a couple passes but he he tore his ACL yeah he's done for the year 
as well as half of that uh, 49ers defense. Henry, this team is in a very rough spot for this game and for the rest of the season. I, I send my uh, prayers for the guys who are going out uh, on Thursday night to play this Packers team. I hope they survive. And you know what? I hope one of them makes their mark. Hopefully they can find a couple guys who can catch passes from um, the JV quarterback that is going to be starting uh, to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, Nick Mullins, of course. Yes. He, you know what? Here's what I have to say. Nick Mullins, he's going to get a shot. Let's see what he does. And Nick Mullins, that's all I have to say, Henry, because that's the only person I know that is going to be playing in this game. <laughs> the 49ers are in a rough spot here. The Packers, I would be shocked if they can't win this game easily. And I just hope the 49ers can put up somewhat of a fight, somewhat of a good game, so we can see at least some good playing football, good football. I don't, I don't know, Henry. It's, it's going to be bad, I think, Thursday night, and it's going to be ugly. I just hope the 49ers can keep a couple guys healthy so they can go out the next week and play. You know, Andrew, you talked talk to me before the podcast about it and said maybe Quan Alexander could go out and catch some passes. I mean, I think he did play tight end back in uh, high school and college, but well, where is he? Oh, he just got traded to the New Orleans Saints this week. And uh, they have they have no one, Andrew. We'll be complete. They have no one to catch the ball. I mean, there, there's no one left. And, and Nick Mullins is going to get blindsided a couple times, I will be completely honest, because I don't even know who's playing left tackle this week. And it, it doesn't really matter because the 49ers do not have a NFL competitive roster to put out there this week. And it's going to be a mess. I mean, I would not – I'm genuinely serious when I say that. I would not be surprised if I see a offensive guard or a offensive tackle or even a center – go out and play tight end or even receiver this week. That is how banged up they are. Or maybe fullback if they want to go put use check at receiver because there's no one, there's no one else. And with the COVID rules, you can't just go pick up someone to go play tomorrow night because that's not how it works. But, you know, enough with the 49ers injuries. Let's move on now to another, another bad topic. The NFC, is, it sucks, Andrew. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. The NFC sucks. Cowboys. Ben DiNucci just got benched for Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert. I've never heard of, the, of those guys in my life. Um, the Eagles, Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. I mean, he beat the Cowboys. Congratulations, you're in first place. Uh, the football team, they have a good name. Football team, that's about it. The Giants, almost beat the Bucks. almost surprised everyone. But it's the Giants. I mean, they weren't going to win that game, and we all know that. So, as we know, the NFC still sucks. I'll let you talk, Andrew. But just in case you uh, didn't forget, guys, the NFC, in fact, is not good at football. Yeah, Henry, and I don't know what this uh, what this NFL uh, commissioner doesn't understand. Uh, Roger Goodell, stop putting the NFC East in prime time. No one wants to watch them. <laughs> America's team is not America's team. The Cowboys, I think the only people who were slightly rooting for the Cowboys were the Ben DiNucci fans uh, from primetime against the Eagles. Nobody likes the NFC East. Nobody likes watching them. It's bad football, especially this season. I mean, there's been bad football in the past, but 
from from this NFC East uh, division. But this this season took it to a whole new level, Henry. It it just took it to a whole new level. And I can't stand watching them. I hope one team just starts winning games so we can see a semi-competitive playoff matchup for whoever will face one of these NFC's teams, whoever wins this division. And I know every single team in the NFC that is hoping for a playoff game just tries to get this <laughs> NFC's matchup because that will this will by far be the easiest playoff game I think there will ever ever be in the NFL. And that's awful. This is awful. I think this will be the weakest division winner we will ever see maybe just in recent or at least in recent history probably ever. Yeah. And I just hope that one of these teams can turn it around and we can see some good football from this division. Hopefully Carson Wentz can do it right now. They're leading the division. If the Eagles can get healthy again and their weapons slightly uh, play up to their potential once they get healthy, of course, Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders, hopefully we can see some good football out of Carson Wentz and that Eagles team who are leading the NFC East right now. You have the Cowboys. Hopefully they can finish or uh, figure out, excuse me, their quarterback situation. Cooper Rush, I, I have to say, I do know Cooper Rush from his Central Michigan days uh, locally. You know what, Henry? He did have a great upset, most notably known for his uh, upset against Oklahoma State, Hail Mary. That, that you guys I might do remember. remember that. I do remember that, Andrew. Yeah, Cooper Rush. Remember the name. He might be the next starter for America's team at quarterback. You never know. See, we wouldn't have been talking about this at the beginning of the season, but this NFL season in 2020 has brought us so many surprises, Henry. You, you can't hate it. Actually, you, you can hate it. And uh, the Cowboys are one of the worst teams in the NFL by far. The Giants, let's talk about them. Danny Dimes, the turnover machine. Yeah, he, he's not looking too good. And without Saquon Barkley, that team cannot even function. Henry, that defense is the only bright side and their defense isn't even good. <laughs> and now you have the Washington football team who are starting Kyle Allen at quarterback. They've been through three quarterbacks this season and that team is just not good. I, I think they have the most upside of any of the teams in the NFC East, but this season is just not going to be the season for them. I will be shocked if they uh, reach the four win mark on the season. We will see what they can do. This NFC East division is as weak as ever. And I just hope that we see one team just break out and start winning some games so we can have a semi-competitive uh, playoff matchup for whatever team wins this division. Yeah, Andrew, and you, you, uh, you mentioned the Eagles possibly getting healthy. I'll tell you that right now, that's not happening. But uh, moving on now to our next topic, uh, let's talk about the, the Patriots or, I mean, there's not much to talk about here. They're, they're a lot like the NFCs. They're not good at football. I mean, Bill Belichick said himself, they, they sold out to win for the last five years and they w won three Super Bowls and made it to four. I, I, there's, like he said, there's not much else to say. They don't have money at this point. So I think the Patriots have to, I guess, fortunately for most fans, but unfortunately for Patriots fans, they're they're in the realm of a rebuild at this point, Andrew. Yeah, and Henry, I have to say, I think Bill Belichick was a system coach. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding about that, but 
Tom Brady was the definition of this Patriots team. As soon as he left, the dynasty was over, Henry. And it seems there was there was a few bright spots in the first couple of weeks, but apparently Cam Newton is not Superman after all, and COVID can affect some uh, people's playing uh, abilities. And COVID slayed Cam Newton clearly. Cam Newton has not been the same since he caught COVID. And there he did show some promise. And then this Patriots team as a whole did show some promise in the first two weeks. They played great games. And now it's just falling apart, Henry. I, I really thought this Patriots team was going to be good. I was really high on them and Cam Newton at the beginning of the season. And I was looking to be as if I was going to be correct as it was looking weeks one and two. And it just started falling apart, downhill, just tumbling. And ever since Cam Newton got COVID, that, that was the breaking point. They, they got up onto this peak of the mountain with Cam Newton being super Cam against the Seahawks, almost finished off that game. Of course, they didn't win, but they were close, one, about one yard short. And ever since then, they just totally fell off the peak of that mountain. I send my prayers to this uh, New England Patriots team because they need to figure something out faster. Those Boston fans will get really angry, and you don't want to see Boston fans angry, Henry. Andrew, I, I still can't believe that you thought this Patriots team was going to go 14-2. and two. Regardless of Cam Newton getting COVID, they're not good. They're not good. They're not going to win 14 games in the NFL. It's not going to happen. I can guarantee that. With a team of this roster, with Bill Belichick as your coach, you still won't win 14 14 games with this team. Yeah, Henry. All right. My my prediction was a little off, but here's what I'll say. I'm not going to say that was a bad prediction because I thought Cam Newton was going to be an MVP candidate this season. That prediction was based off Cam Newton being that MVP candidate. Obviously, he is not that this season, especially, and I think COVID hurt him, and that's why. But those first two weeks, you can't tell me he wasn't looking like an MVP candidate because I thought he was, and I'm sure you did too because he was looking very good, and he put up a great performance against arguably one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks. He brought him down to the one-yard line on the last play of the game. He's, he's a good quarterback, and as of right now, he's not playing like it, but I think he will be able to turn it around. He's shown a little bit of promise on this Patriots roster and on this team, but as of right now, he's kind of a turnover machine. He's been very reckless with the ball, throwing it everywhere, fumbling all the time, and yeah, that's the main that's the main problem. I have to say, the turnovers. Cam Newton isn't really playing smart, and that's that's what needs to start happening. The the New England Patriots have to start scoring the ball more, and Cam Newton has to start holding on to the ball more. That's how this Patriots team turns it around. Hopefully, Belichick can figure it out. I believe he can. I still think he is one of the best, if not the best, coach. In the NFL, I'm sure the Pats will turn it around. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs this year, but I don't think they will be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think they will finish around middle of the pack and finish around 8-8, eight and eight, but who knows? Andrew, I really need to point out how, I mean, how smart you are for saying that the Patriots need to score more. I mean, I really couldn't have come up with that myself. 
I, I, but I have to admit, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, we know Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest coach in, in sports history. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities for the Patriots to go out and win nine straight games and make the playoffs. I mean, I don't think that will happen, but I mean, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach arguably in sports history for a reason. And I mean, this leads me to believe that the Patriots aren't out of it yet. I mean, they still get to play the jets twice. So those are two probably wins. I mean, if they, if they lose one of those, I, my, my hopes fade. I'll tell you all the listeners that right now. I mean, the, the Patriots lose to the jets this week on Monday night football. I mean, it's over. The Patriots dynasty gone. They should just cut Cam Newton at that point. No, I'm just joking. They shouldn't cut Cam Newton, but still. All right, moving on now to our second to last topic, which happens to be Dalvin Cook. I mean, let that let, let him cook. I mean, he single-handedly beat the Green Bay Packers. And I mean, if you keep giving the ball, he's gonna keep cooking. So I think Andrew can agree with that by saying that we need to let Dalv cook. Yeah, and you have to let Dalvin cook because he has been so good, Henry. He missed a game, and he's still up there in uh, rushing yards in the NFL in terms of running backs. And Henry, Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the NFL, no question about it. And he just put on a show against the Packers, over 200 total yards and four touchdowns, I believe it was. Incredible. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Nobody can argue that at this point. And the Vikings just got to keep beating him because why Why wouldn't you at this point? Kirk Cousins, he's, he's a good quarterback, nothing special, but he's sufficient. But when you have one of the best guys in the NFL, in terms of running backs, you have to use him. You have to utilize him. And this is what the Vikings have to start doing with Dalvin Cook in order to win some more games. Yeah, Andrew, it's like I said with the Patriots. I mean, they've done it before. I think it's possible that the Vikings can compete for a playoff spot. But like I also said with the Patriots, I don't think it will happen. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities. They're a playoff team. They got a playoff head coach. And they have a lot of guys on offense who have made the playoffs and know what it takes. So it's definitely not over for the Vikings yet this season. But let's now, Andrew, move on to our final topic today, which is the question of the day. What happens first? Do the Jets win a game or do the Steelers lose a game? And Andrew, I want to hear it from you first before I give my answer. Yeah, Henry, and I think it will be the Steelers losing first, surprisingly. I do think it will be the Steelers losing first because I looked at the Jets schedule and I don't know if they will win a game all season. I I don't think they'll win a game all season. And I think the Steelers loss will come sooner rather than later. I believe it will come week 12 against the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens get the best of them in that rematch. And keep in mind, I just want to talk about that game a little. That was an amazing game that the Steelers and Ravens had week eight and Henry Those two teams, I think, have the best chance in making the Super Bowl. I I guess you could say the Chiefs. The Chiefs are up there. But those two teams are definitely up there in terms of making the Super Bowl and representing the AFC. But, Henry, those two teams right there are incredible. And I think the Ravens get the best of the Steelers in the rematch. And that's when I think the Steelers' first loss comes. 
And as I mentioned, I do not think the Jets even get a win all season. I don't think it happens. Not, and I know they have the Patriots on their schedule twice. I don't even think they can get a win against the Patriots even once out of those two times because I just don't think it's possible for the Jets to beat Bill Belichick. It, I just don't think it can possibly happen. Bill Belichick knows how to beat the Jets, and he will at all costs. And I believe this Patriots team knows whenever they play the Jets, they are not supposed to lose, and I don't think they will. And I think the Jets won't even win a game all season. So, Henry, to answer the question, what happens first? The Jets lose or the Steelers – or the Jets win, uh, pardon me, and the Steelers lose. I think it's the Steelers losing first rather than the Jets winning. You know, Andrew, I do agree with you just with just about everything you said. I think that the Steelers have a better chance to lose a game. I think they have a tougher schedule. I mean, not a tougher schedule. I think they just have a schedule that allows them with the possibility of losing game. And I don't really see the Jets winning. And that answers your question. I think the Steelers do lose a game before the Jets win a game, most likely against the Ravens. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see because hopefully, I mean, it'd be really cool to see one 16 and 0 team and an 0 and 16 team. But I mean, we still have ha- almost half over half the season left of the NFL season, but Andrew, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. As always, we want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we really hope you did enjoy Don't forget to subscribe rate and download this podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on the last take sports podcast.